0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I'm your host, Harley. Joining me on today's episode is journalist and podcaster, Sarah Buttery. Sarah has kindly agreed to come onto the show to talk to me about all things Disney animation. If you're aware of Sarah and her work over at the Jumpcast Podcast, then this would seem very on brand as they are going through all of the Disney animated classics. We talk about that. We also talk about her love for the subject, a few favourite artists, and a conspiracy involving Bambi's mother. There's this, and so much more, to look forward to in this episode. I really hope you do enjoy it. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation. This is Disney Animation with Sarah Buttery. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Awesome, my pleasure, my pleasure. So, when I um, reached out to you and asked about your chosen uh, topic, you fired back with Disney Animation, which seems quite on brand for anyone who knows you and knows what you're currently up to. So, (laughs) why don't you tell us then, when did you sort of first get introduced to Disney Animation? And we're going back as far as the 50s in this, yeah?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh yeah, 1937 is not when I was born. That was uh, the yes. first uh, Disney animated <laughs> film. Um yeah, so I'm a I'm a 90s kid, so I grew up with these films like I think a lot of people around my age um did as well. Um and I like to think that being born in, so I was born in 91 that I was born during like peak Disney. So that was when the older films were having um, re-releases in the cinema. So a lot of the first films I saw at the cinema were re-releases of the older Disney classics. So I saw Bambi and Aristocats and things like that. Um, And it was also the period of Disney's renaissance as well, when I will get into some of that terminology, <laughs> I think, later, but where the the 90s was when they were really having a big kind of revival with their animated films um so those ones were kind of coming out on home video so I was watching all of those at home as well um and yeah I think it just it comes from that childhood nostalgia and loving the films as a child and it being my I guess first introduction to the cinema and to films was was Disney films so I think that being the the thing that I started off with I've just I've always loved them I've carried that through to now being being an adult and I still will rush out and see the film the Disney films when they come out at the cinema and uh yeah love all things Disney and and now kind of exploring more around it so it's not just watching the films and um through the other podcasts I'm doing as well learning a heck of a lot more about Disney and actually just appreciating all of the elements that that tie into it but yeah no i guess it's it started from that that childhood love of the films really
0: that's awesome and i think a lot of us could relate to that um as mm. you say I, mean, I myself i'm a child of the 90s as well and yeah similar thing i think it's, it's hard to think back on i think most people's childhoods really sort of post disney since they started like since 1937 i'm sure everybody's had an experience similar to that where you it's hard to think back and not remember watching any of those films i mean if you've managed to go your entire adult life without seeing a disney animated film i mean well done i guess yeah (laughs) i want to talk to you (laughs) yeah yeah boy have you got a lot to catch up on Um, yeah (laughs) yeah and and for the listeners at home sarah's come appropriately dressed as today's podcast in a very nice looking disney hoodie i have to say it looks very cozy
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just have to have to be uh, appropriately on brand at um, at all times as well, and not that this will help for a uh, audio medium, but I have my entire Disney like Blu Ray collection behind me as well, just mm. up in that corner. So and, and I
0: see Jaws as well, prominently displayed, which is very appropriate, of course. Of course, we won't, yeah, we won't that go was into uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> almost going to be my topic, but not quite.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, unfortunately, someone else beat you to it, but still. <laughs> um no disney's a fine second choice and so so going back to that then because um you and i being in a similar age bracket then it remind me when they switched over to 3d because there is that kind of shift isn't there between 2d and 3d was a big gear change for and i know that kind of t- touches a little bit in pixar and it's different studios mm-hmm. and back and forth but which which did you kind of fall in love with first i guess let's go from there
1: yeah, so it's the definitely the original kind of hand drawn style was what I really fell in love with first, and I think those were the those were the films that I enjoyed watching when when I was younger. But I don't I don't really remember that transition that happened, like when it started going to the more I guess like CGI type of animated films. And I think one of the first ones um was that was solely like that i think was chicken little which actually coincidentally i learned recently was the first new release disney that i saw at the cinema and i'm i'm very upset that that was the first one (laughs) the first (laughs) new release i saw at the cinema i was like oh maybe i saw I must have seen uh. like Pocahontas or Mulan like one of the cool 90s ones and I was like no Chicken Little was the first one I saw at the cinema that was a new release <laughs> but, um yeah I, that. <laughs> I think yeah I, I think that was like early noughties. that was a strange time for Disney around then but um yeah I you don't get so many of that kind of hand drawn style now it does seem to be a dying art form um there's been a couple of like recent-ish ones where Disney have gone back to that. So um Princess and the Frog and 2011's Winnie the Pooh as well. But it seems now, I mean the the most recent films are, you know, Your Frozen's, Big Hero Six, Moana, those sort of ones are now kind of in that new style. And I think that is just gonna be what we see going forward. And whether that was something that, you know, came along as a result of the popularity of of Pixar because Toy Story being in 95 was kind of an early example of that. So they they were doing that stuff before well, Disney animated studios then kind of took on that for themselves as well. And I think as time has gone along, it's, it's made those lines a bit more blurred. I think some people do struggle with picking out which ones are Pixar and which ones are Disney. And if you're not that familiar with them as well, you now have... DreamWorks and other you know studios doing these kind of animated films as well but something about the the hand-drawn or you know the 2D animated ones is there's no doubting that they're Disney because they just have that kind of stamp of quality on them just instantly recognisable and there weren't that many other studios I guess at the time doing kind of feature length animated films obviously now there's tons but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think you touched upon this because I've been listening a bit to Jumpcast and you guys mm. talking about the old classics, which is well worth checking out for anyone listening. Um, and you've mentioned, I think, a few times that I, I guess it's sort of budget and time is probably what's pushed them more in the direction of CGI because that's a growing technology and it it's, I think it's probably still quite expensive, but it's probably mm. not as expensive as paying artists to come in and draw, like, think you said what was it like five to eight seconds some old of the old films like bambi and stuff like that it was Mm. so you can kind of understand why they've gone in that direction but i'm with you there i think i think there is some charm certainly to a lot of the older stuff even if they do kind of occasionally borrow stills and and slot them into other films
1: frequently yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i listened to your robin hood one today and i was like oh yeah i remember that (laughs) there's
1: a lot there's a lot of repeated animation in that film i think we joked that that whole film is basically recycled animation
0: (laughs) yeah pretty much but sort of on a more positive note then so i think a good question for yourself would be what's your probably your favorite hand-drawn disney then if we're staying with that for the minute
1: yeah so i I am yeah if i (laughs) if i had to choose so we did, actually, on on Jumpcast, we, right at the start in the first episode, did our top five, um, and then we're going to do that again when we finish, I think, just to see if there's been any change, because some I genuinely hadn't seen, or I hadn't seen for a very long time. Um, not many, there's only about five or six I haven't seen, but um, yeah, uh, so I just wanted to see if that if that changed at all over time, so prior to doing the podcast series, my favourite was and i think still is mulan uh so i am a a kid of the 90s so that is definitely (laughs) definitely one of my favorites um but currently so i'm i'm ranking them as i go uh we've at time of recording this we've watched 26 out of the 58 and my current number one is bambi and i i know how in my heart how much i love mulan and the 90s disney films but also I don't know I don't know what can beat the animation in Bambi when I'm looking at it from from that point of view and actually doing this podcast series that I'm doing has really made me reassess the films and take away that nostalgia um which has been very interesting because I've I've rewatched some some films that I've gone oh, I don't, this isn't, this isn't good, like, (laughs) you you mentioned, you mentioned Robin Hood, and, like, I can remember loving Robin Hood as a child, and Fox and the Hound was another one as well, and I rewatched that recently, and I was like, it's actually, it's not, it's not very good, and I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen with, kind of, like, my 90s faves, I would be, honestly, I would be shocked if I just suddenly was like, Mulan sucks, because (laughs) it doesn't, and I know that's, (laughs) I know that's not true, but. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to go back to the films I think you loved as a child with like a different lens and watching them in chronological order as well. You see those different periods in the studio's history, knowing the things that were going on as well in terms of their their budgets and the technology that they were using and the people who were working for them at the time as well. Um so yeah, so <laughs> very roundabout way of answering that question, but um yeah, mulan in my heart is i think my favorite but in this current exercise that i'm doing bambi is my my current number one um and i would be i would be shocked if it moved anywhere out of the top five obviously we haven't yet hit the 90s so yeah, i'm ready I ready for the list to change very soon but got, yeah we yeah you've see.
0: got kind of like the, like you say the renaissance the kind of golden era i guess Mm. some people consider it um yeah i think that that's quite interesting so your head tells you one thing your heart tells you another and um i just (laughs) want to say as a side note the fox and the hound is my wife's favorite film so um
1: if you're listening if you're listening (laughs) wife
0: um (laughs) i don't agree
1: (laughs) (laughs) has she watched it recently i just want to inquire that's
0: the point i don't think i don't think her heart can handle it because again it's nostalgia and, and she loves she loves animals i think foxes and dogs are like some of her favorites Fair, so yeah. um yeah I, w- we w- I went 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 to put it on like a few months ago because like everybody else we bought disney plus and going back through those classics was like oh this is nice and mm. yeah that was one i went to put on one evening she's like no no i can't handle it no, <laughs> put it on <laughs> it won't go down well and i'm like okay and interestingly we stuck on robin hood and i had the exact same like listening to your podcast earlier i was like yeah I know how you feel. Actually, I remember watching it and like, this is fine, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of just things that happen.
1: Yeah, not a um, lot of plot.
0: But that's okay. You know, not not all of them are going to be winners, are they? I hey, suppose.
1: Exactly. But, yeah, mixed bag.
0: <laughs> yeah, but one thing I find really interesting about them um, is how Disney had this thing for a long time, and they still kind of do it in a way of retelling old stories. Mm. So a lot of people would say that you know perhaps the Disney Princess thing is their favorite thing growing up. So. What is that an aspect that you liked about looking at Disney animations, how they retell old stories and things like that?
1: Yeah, I think it, particularly in their early films, like so many of them are based on fairy tales is as, as kind of like the obvious one or existing books. And some that I didn't even realise were based on existing books, um, some that they change greatly from the source material so fox and the hound is one example of that uh the book of that which i've not read is apparently incredibly bleak and the foxes like go insane and die or something like it's really quite <laughs> <laughs> it's quite traumatizing um but yeah i yeah. Do, I, I like that <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I can
0: I can see that if it's like a grim tale or something or what was it grim fairy tales are famously yeah. like bleak and horrible and yeah that makes yeah. sense Dis- they kind of disneyify it
1: they do yeah but i i i i like the that is kind of disney's model i think that's like what people know disney for is that taking those kind of existing fairy tales or those those stories and putting their kind of like disney spin on it but also retaining that level of darkness and it's I think people sometimes just think of Disney as kind of like cute cartoons, cute animals, nice songs, princesses, and they are all of those things. But even in the films that seem on the surface to be lovely and cute and innocent and all the rest of it, there's always that kind of like layer of darkness in there, which I I appreciate. And I think that that does mean that they have that universal appeal. And I don't feel bad about the fact that I'm now 29 years old and I still love watching Disney films because... I get a different kind of enjoyment out of them now and we've had a lot of really interesting and difficult discussions on the podcast actually about the problematic areas of Disney and (laughs) boy are there lots of those Um, and it is interesting to go go back to those stories which were very much of their time and not okay then and still not okay now and look at them with a kind of modern, a modern lens, as it were.
0: Hmm. I was going to say, as a side note, I noticed you guys have left out Song of the South, probably for the best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, it's fortunately not in the the fifty eight. The... say
0: yeah, Disney have have, uh, have left that one out as well, and probably for the best.
1: Yeah, very much. Uh, pretend that one doesn't exist i think yep. it's it's yep, yep, never yep. had a release in the u.s i think it had a vhs release in the uk but um since then has just been they've completely got rid of it essentially it's not available on disney plus it's not one they want people to watch and for good reason so, I said, <laughs> rightly
0: so. but something i find interesting it's just on that note you're right that that's another reason i think a lot of people not only you know have those fond memories themselves but i think that's something I go to now if i like, I don't have kids, but if you know I'm, I'm, if I was babysitting somebody or you know, niece or a nephew, I would kind of go to Disney because mm. the stories are constantly evolving um you know and the studios kind of learn from mistakes and things like that and and that's kind of nice, so it means you can you can usually guarantee something and and what you just said a minute ago, I really like as well about that they are they are kind of well rounded it's not all necessarily fluffy all the time. there are mm. certain elements like you mentioned Bambi. I think for a lot of people that's one of those films where yeah there's a lot of really beautiful moments in it and there's some wonderful artwork and, and cute characters but boy does it have a bleak opening you know
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's like bambi for a lot of people i think is their first exposure to to death and i yeah. i saw that at the cinema and i remember being very upset by by the scene in question. I, I, Feel bad putting a spoiler alert, but spoiler alert: uh, yeah. Bambi. Something happens to Bambi's mom. Just in case you haven't seen Bambi, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> but this is it's something. It's interesting actually. This is something we talk a lot about um on the podcast. Is these various themes that come into a lot of the Disney films, and one of them is the you kind of used in air quotes the Disney death. So this is something that a lot of people probably don't even realize is a thing until they start looking at most Disney films. there'll be a kind of fake out with the death like someone will be you know either asleep or under a curse or something and it will seem like that character is dead and there'll be like you know characters crying it's quite often raining as well um just to add to the depressing sadness um and then you know a few moments later everything's fine and they come back you know the curse is broken they're awakened with a kiss or you know they weren't actually dead they're just you know they're okay they might be injured whatever but um bambi <laughs> gives us actual death and even though it happens off camera it's interesting that that you know how it is done in that film and prior to that point i think i think all the films up to that point apart from fantasia have a disney death of of some description So you're kind of lured into this false sense of security and when you're watching them in chronological order as well, you then get to Bambi and you're like, oh, gunshot, something's happened to his mother, but I've seen Disney films, like, I know how this works, she'll come back in a second, and then she doesn't, and it's like, (laughs) (laughs) no.
0: (laughs) Yeah, many many a child tugging on mum and dad's sleeve going like,
1: where's the mum? Where Where is is she? she
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no, you're right, it's it's kind of interesting, I I think that's something that, and it carries over into Pixar as well, like, this idea of teaching kids lessons, just as a kind of tangent, I can't remember for me, the life of me, whether Inside Out is a Disney or a Pixar film. It's a Pixar. Is that a, I think it's Pixar. That sounds about right. Um, and I, I maintain that I think everybody has a Disney or Pixar film that hits them hard emotionally, whether it's as a kid or even as an adult, because it's always teaching lessons. And yeah, for some reason, for me, Inside Out hits really hard. And I think it's because... That it's the lesson that it teaches kids it's okay to be sad and that mm. just makes me kind of like oh, it, just, it kind of makes me well up thinking about it now i'm like oh that's so beautiful yeah. so even for stuff like bambi if it's you know yeah it's teaching kids to deal with loss and it's, and it's mm. kind of and it gives bambi a very interesting character arc then because he then yeah. goes and finds the world on its own and finds friends and you know and all that stuff and and that is something that yeah i, I think can be a positive I mean even I just suddenly thought of Dumbo that's another one where mm. it opens with a child being separated from its mum I mean that's yeah. pretty brutal mm. but of course you know to your point they are reunited in the end and that's a bit more of a happier thing so yeah I do find that interesting actually that there are themes that, I can't remember where I heard it but I know somebody said once that like pretty much all of Disney films are just sad orphans
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's like... an element of truth to that <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of the other. So the 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 themes that span most of the Disney films is, or kind of recurring things um, in the Disney films is um, sidekick. So there's frequently a a, a sidekick um, that helps the hero along their way. Um, absence of a parent is one of the kind of main themes, and that's I think what you're talking about there, where there's like very few Disney films where the character has has both parents and they're alive i think that tangled is one of the only ones um i'm pretty sure although she spends
0: most of the time away from her parents so yeah there you go that kind of right
1: yeah so it's still a it's still a theme that that is there even if it's you know has a happier ending because for the most part of that film she doesn't you know she isn't with her parents um, and then the other themes of the Disney death and the man and nature. So, I think that even just you sort of flick through the catalogue of Disney films in your mind, and with those themes in mind, you can see most of those occurring in their films. And they've kind of, you know, they've got that winning formula, and the emphasis on those theme- on those themes is always different across the films, but they'll always be there in some in some respect. Um, so that's that's been interesting to explore because obviously, like child Sarah wasn't like oh really uh, appreciate the uh, man and nature themes in this film. I was just like, there's <laughs> a cute dog or something. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, yeah, That level of detail, but well, that's
0: fair enough. And, and again, that's kind of what's nice about them is going back for rewatch value. Um, mm. And I, I don't know about yourself. I mean, you can lend some more insight to this because um, of your background and what you do. But I always get the sense that. I I feel like that's a deliberate choice on behalf of the storytellers and the animators, that they want to throw something in for the parents, whether it's a cheeky joke or whether it's a theme or something, because obviously these these are family films. These are Mm. primarily designed for children, naturally. Yeah. But parents have, of course, got to sit through them. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like that Disney toes that line where it's not insufferable and cutesy, and like there are some other studios out there that just throw this absolute garbage out and if if you've ever had to sit through them with a child you you just you know you kind of lose the will to live i think Mm. because it's just so sickening and there's nothing much going on but i think disney's very good at having that appeal that years later as an adult you can go back and say yeah i totally watched the lion king again it's awesome why Mm. wouldn't i watch it and because you can pick up other stuff that as an adult you go oh i didn't realize." That had mm. this going on in it
1: yeah i think whether it's the the themes or the jokes or other or, you know other aspects you can definitely see those you can see those elements and actually there's we've just uh, got to kind of like the 70s 80s period on the podcast and that's there's a there's a real big change in that time where you can sort of actually <laughs> coincidentally the the first film that was like after Walt Disney's death which was the Aristocats um, there's some quite like suggestive jokes and stuff in that, and things that you, I'm like, would they have, <laughs> would they have got away with this if Walt was uh, still alive? Was it kind of the animators being like, or the story writers being like, oh, we can get away with this stuff now? But there's a very, a very noticeable shift um, at the start of the 70s where they, they are able to put some of those more kind of like risque elements in, and obviously completely goes over children's heads, and you know that's great (laughs) but it does yeah you're right it does mean that there is there's something there for the adults as well and I think those are the the best kind of animated films whether it's Disney or other studios is that they are family films there is something for everyone whether they're you know a young child who is just kind of appreciating the music or the color or whatever it is uh, through to older children teenagers adults you know their grandparents whatever it's they seem to they seem to have something for everyone in all of in all of their films i mean there's very few that i can think of where i'm like oh this is this is definitely more kind of like for a younger audience or this is definitely for an older audience in all of them to a greater or lesser extent there's something for everyone
0: absolutely i was gonna say i don't know about you but i feel like there are events now
1: Mm. when a disney
0: or a pixar film comes out i feel like most people i know get very excited because It doesn't matter what age you are, you're like, oh, yeah, because it has that kind of universal appeal. And I was wondering, what do you think kind of makes that then? Because there's other studios out there that do, you know, it's decent animation-wise, but I feel like there's a lot of other studios, not to be, like, disparaging or anything, but I think of, like, DreamWorks sometimes Mm -hmm. don't always stick the landing. They sometimes bring out stuff that's technically just as impressive, or they have a great cast and all that stuff that you look for as an adult going into a movie. But for me I always feel like they don't quite have the same feel as I don't know what it is. It just feels like Pixar and Disney is like the next step up. And I can't sort of put my finger on it. Why? Have you, going back through all of this stuff, have you seen like what it is? Is it just as simple as the themes that they've had for all those years or
1: I think it's just it's <laughs> the the power of the brand is certainly is certainly something, but that has come through You know people joke about like disney they own everything and i mean they kind of do um certainly now at least with the the number of franchises that they they have bought out and and subsequently own so but yeah going going back kind of before you know they became as big as they did they they've come through hard times and you know got through a world war and changes in technology and you know changes to how people view films even with you know streaming and stuff being much more of a thing now but they've just stayed i think consistent throughout that and there have been some there have been some duds there have been some films that have not done as well there's you know three or four times at least that the studio almost became bankrupt um so it's (laughs) it's not been like plain sailing for for disney but i think just at the right times they've always come out with those films that have just seemed to capture people's imaginations and I think that that universal appeal of, of Disney films certainly it certainly helps it means that when a new film does come out everyone wants to see it because you've got the people our age who, who grew up with these films um but then you've also got you know my granddad grew up with the films as well he went to see fantasia when it came out at the cinema so it's and you know my my niece who's 18 months like she loves like winnie the pooh and and frozen and any disney film that is put in front of her she will sort of drift in and out of it but she'll be entertained by it and enjoy it so yeah i think it's i don't i don't think like necessarily like put your finger on exactly what it is that makes disney so special but i think it's just I mean, being in existence, like even just, you know, with these animated films, Snow White was 1937, just being around for as long as they have, they've just built up this this audience and these very kind of dedicated fans. And in addition to the films, you then have all the merchandise and the theme parks and, you know, owning everything. Like now they have Star Wars and they have Marvel. So they are a formidable force, which. Some people don't like the kind of like monopoly that Disney seem to have over everything. But it certainly does make their new releases an event. It's something everyone gets excited for. I remember the hype around Frozen 2, which came out um, last year. Um, yes. I, yeah. say. <laughs> I Who knows? <laughs> I don't know what day it is at the moment.
0: Um, That's to say yeah, that feels like a
1: decade ago yeah, so even then that was you know people were incredibly excited for that because it, the frozen the first frozen was so successful, so then obviously the sequel to that people are people are gonna be be hyped for that, and you know Disney with Disney plus now as well, there was a real build up to that being a thing as well, and us being in the u k we had to wait longer for it so don't it, remind me i was so mad everyone's watching the yeah. mandalorian
0: i was like i yeah. hate you all i was gonna say side note yeah mandalorian i spent oh six months dodging spoilers it was mm-hmm. so frustrating the amount of stuff i listened to i had to be like just yeah. you know skip no no no
1: i don't want to know <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah we're all caught up now but yeah sorry sorry i derailed no, you no there. no that's mm-hmm. all right
1: <laughs> yeah i think oh gosh just it's it's you are right it's hard to it's hard to like pinpoint exactly what makes these films so special to seemingly everyone i mean i can talk about why they're so special to me and other fans have got you know their favorites and their reasons why they why they love disney but it's you know i don't i can't see it ever changing to be honest and i think now having that monopoly that they do um they're always going to be huge i don't i would honestly be shocked if anything you know disney kind of suddenly turned around one day and we're like we have no money we're not going to make any more films i can't yeah. see that ever happening <laughs>
0: uh, yeah i know i think we would be like really yeah what <laughs> would you Marvel, with all the marvel and star wars money that you now have as well like, yeah. come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's happened Got
1: questions for your accountant
0: <laughs> yeah definitely yeah anyway uh no that's 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 um that's fair enough and yeah i i'm i'm kind of with you i think it's, it does seem to be a bit of a mystery but i think you've probably answered actually quite nicely there that it, maybe it's just because it's a an individual thing and because of the themes and because of what they choose to do with the stories everyone gets something a little bit different mm. out of it um yeah just sort of circling back to yourself so you, you mentioned I, i'm really curious now you mentioned mulan is if the favorite in your heart i happen to really like mulan as well but uh, why why is it your your favorite then
1: oh i mean it's <laughs> it's got the songs in it for a start are absolutely fantastic i that made a true. made a note as well of like some of my favorite like disney songs and my number one has uh always and forever will be i'll make a man out of you oh, it's, it's a tune. such a great song <laughs> um reflection is great as well so I think the songs are the thing that you take away from the film and you remember so I listen to a lot of soundtracks whilst I'm working so I will frequently like not usually whilst I'm working so I like to have a sing-along but like if I'm in the car or something I will put on Disney songs (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm (laughs) not saying whilst I'm driving. Um,
0: Oh man that's an image just imagine pulling up (laughs) just being like
1: huh. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. A, a grown woman in traffic just belting out I'll make a man out of you. So.
0: Hey, do you know what that that is my wife's favourite Disney song actually when it, we watched that the other day and she I was surprised. I was like, Oh, you know this word for word. She's like, Yep, it's the best Disney song. I was like, It okay, is. Alright, yeah. I agree. A
1: woman of taste, truly. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's um yeah, so obviously like the song's been the thing that you take away from it. The song songs being so great, I think, uh what sticks with you, but I love the character as well and i think that something that we looked at quite a bit in the podcast is um progression and development of female characters so there's some very questionable depictions in a lot of the early disney films uh we talked about how aurora in sleeping beauty has like no agency whatsoever and i think she has like 16 lines or something
0: um, that's a good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We haven't got to it yet either, but I'm ready to say some stuff about Ariel as well and Little Mermaid because that is not a, that's a regressive female character. Yeah. A,
0: a lot of people, I, it's funny, I hadn't, I mean, being a, a man, obviously, I don't really think about these things, but um, yeah, I think we, we watched that the other day and same thing. My wife was kind of pointing that out. Like, this seems a little, something not quite right here. And, and yeah, a lot of people take issue with it and, and I can understand why i can understand why so yeah i guess in that sense yeah mulan is a refreshing uh take then on the character
1: yeah definitely and you know she is is strong and stands up for herself and is kind of able to like fit into this man's world and i think that's something very interesting as well and it's it's, i'm i'm absolutely dying to get into talking to that one talking about that one on the podcast because like there's so many interesting themes in that as well um around gender and and how they're kind of you know perceived particularly in that in that film I think is really really interesting but yeah I love I love the character I love the animation in that is stunning as well um
0: yeah
1: I it's I watched the I did watch the live action I've got thoughts on the live action films just I, just I, I've so I yet don't... to
0: see it but yeah, yeah. What, what's your kind of impressions then cuz it's quite I think it's I I'm going to wait until it's on the streaming service which I think is like two, a couple months from now
1: Yeah I did I did like it it's I think my favorite of the live actions um, okay. so far just because I have a real bee in my bonnet about the Disney live-action remakes that are just a shot-for-shot remake of the animated, because why do they exist? Uh, I could just watch the animated one. So I really, really strongly dislike, with every fibre of my being, the Lion (laughs) King remake. Um, I think it's dreadful. (laughs) It's not good. Um,
0: That's fine. You've saved me a question for later, but yeah, yeah, no worries. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, But yeah, the, the, the new version of Mulan, they they did a lot of things that upset fans so there is no there is no mu- well there's a score obviously but there's no songs um there's no Tom-boo. yeah there's no moonshire <laughs> they've taken out like the sidekick and stuff like that but i like it for that reason because it to me it has a reason to exist it's different to the original and Disney are going to remake all of their films at some point. I think that's just something that we have to accept and make peace with. Um, but if they're, if they're going to insist on doing it, I would rather they be in the Mulan style than in the Lion King style because just giving us exactly what we saw in the original but with slightly updated animation is not... It's It just seems it just seems pointless like i
0: i I, yeah i agree with you there that that someone again i can't remember who someone said it was just a it was a very nice trailer for expensive cgi
1: you know like it (laughs)
0: it looked fantastic
1: oh it looks stunning but but it's but you're right
0: it it kind of added nothing i can remember watching it and thinking like this looks nice but i could just go home and watch the real and the songs are better yeah sorry but yeah. you know you, you brought some fantastic talent in but did nothing with it it was very strange but yeah i'm excited to see the, the mulan one because i have heard that yeah it's it's a slightly different take and, and i guess that makes sense because a lot of these properties as we said earlier are based on existing stories anyway mm-hmm. and i mean correct me if i'm wrong but my understanding of the mulan sort of myth is well it's it's very hazy because it's a myth it's mm-hmm. kind of there's a lots of different versions of the story so you can kind of from a creative point of view, I guess you have artistic license. You can just pick and choose what you want.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that the the live action took more had like more mythical elements in it, whereas I think the the animated one, which I do love, but I think it kind of took the took the bare bones of the story and Disneyfied it, which is what they did with a lot of their animated films. Is kind of take the take the core of the story. Um, sometimes, even just the name, and then kind of expand on it from there and and change it to be something that fit in with their brand but if that if if the live actions are then gonna give us something different and perhaps be truer to this story or just be a a reimagining reimagining of it, then that's fine but i I'm the ones that are just a shot for shot, which is what lion king was i've I have no time for. <laughs>
0: What about what about aladdin then i have to ask since we're on this because that was different but it was somewhere in the middle wasn't it
1: yeah i i expected to like actively hate it um <laughs> and i thought it was acceptable <laughs> so, yeah fair enough yeah fair enough. i it did some good things i like what it did with the character of jasmine it actually gave her a bit a bit more agency and wasn't just she's quite i mean she's she's fairly feisty in the animated one but she's in terms of the what yeah she's just she's a bit passive as well in some in some aspects or the film is all about aladdin and doesn't really kind of focus on her side of the story but i think that that was something that the live action did well and it gave she has like a there's a new song in it as well which i actually really liked so i liked that it changed
0: that I completely agree that and that was quite a stand there. I that was like oh I didn't see this coming this was really cool mm-hmm. and also it gave us probably the most handsome on-screen Jafar we've ever had <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was really shocked when I saw him <laughs> cast I was like no no this no that's not right <laughs> a little too
1: handsome to be Jafar yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but I liked it no you're right it's, it's something else I mean and again that animated one I mean talk about a, a classic and that's another thing I guess um A lot of the time, particularly in the 90s, Mm. they got some spot-on casting. I mean, Robin Williams for The Genie was that's lightning in a bottle, quite literally. They just I've heard the rumour is they just let him go off on one, basically, all day in a studio. And they're like, well, we'll just clip around this and fit it in.
1: Yeah, that was something that actually Disney films prior to that did end up doing quite a bit of. So I think originally they would do a lot of the animation and then find voice actors to that suited the character but they would i think that when they started getting the kind of like the, the bigger names in or like big names at the time they based on the vocal performances they would give they would then obviously base a lot of the characterizations around the actors playing them um, and let them have a bit more i guess creative input over the character but yeah, I think that <laughs> Aladdin uh, or the genie in Aladdin is probably one of the best examples of that. And I, I think the, the story is that like the how they managed to persuade Robin Williams to be a part of it was that they they animated. I think some of his they they did some genie animation to his like stand up routines. So they took some of the like audio of Robin Williams's stand up and made it as if the genie was doing those stand up routines. Um, and I think he saw that and was like, OK, yeah, I, I, you know, I like this. I'm on board. So and yeah, and then they kind of like gave, you know, because if you have someone like that, you're not going to be like, here's a script. You're going to be like, do what you want. Nah, we'll figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Um, so that's really good. Cool. So going back to, to Mulan and the songs then what? Go on, give me a list. What's what's your favorite Disney song? So, I mean, you've got a really absolute banger at the top. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's how, what, what comes in second.
1: Okay, so I, ha- I haven't done this in order because I okay. I couldn't. I just w- went through my <laughs> playlist and was like, here's the ones I listen to the most. Um, okay. So I'll Make a Man Out of You is definitely my favourite. Um, I really love uh, Prince Ali from Aladdin. I could pick any song from Aladdin, but I think Prince Ali is my favourite. Um, yeah. And then yeah. I've got Poor Unfortunate Souls from Little Mermaid, because I love a villain and I love a villain's song. Um, I've yeah. got Hellfire from Hunchback of Notre Dame for the same reason. And um, a more modern one, uh, How Far I'll Go from Moana, is the one I probably sing the most in the car. <laughs> hmm.
0: Interesting. I mean, all all of those absolute bangers, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's probably another part of the winning formula then
1: mm.
0: for, for Disney is they know how to get good songs. I, I think it, it's hard to think of a Disney film that doesn't have good songs. You know, like, there might be one or two in the track that's like, yeah, that one's not as good as, you know, the main song.
1: Mm. But I don't
0: think I've ever sat through uh, a Disney animation with music at work because they're essentially musicals and then sat there and gone, oh, that was painful. Mm. All those songs were rubbish. You know, you always come out humming one of them, don't you? Kind of like, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's
0: hard to get out of your head.
1: Yeah, there'll always be at least, like, one really kind of memorable song. I mean, there's some that don't have any songs at all or there's there's ones that don't really fit into the kind of musical mold because the the songs will be sung not by the characters they're just kind of happening but even then there's always there's generally always one kind of really standout number but i think with kind of like our era of disney being in the 90s that every song or every film in that era i think has I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the list now. It's like uh, Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback and Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. Wow. Is kind of like wow. considered as the Renaissance. I could t- tell you a song from pretty much every single one of those and probably <laughs> give a little rendition, which I won't do on a podcast. But I'll save that for my singing in the car. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all right i can edit around don't worry um I, I was tempted actually just a minute ago and i was like i'll hold back but yeah <laughs> you've got all these songs running around in my head now i must now i've got prince ali prince ali in my head mm-hmm. and that's that's probably going to be stuck in the head for the rest of my day but that's fine
1: okay hey, not a that. bad thing
0: <laughs> no not at all but yeah i think that's that's probably another part of the winning formula it has to be so sort of coming back to this then is as an adult and as a essentially a journalist then are you sort of reviewing this with a more critical eye I guess does that deepen your appreciation then for a lot of these films
1: yeah absolutely and I think that particularly in appreciating the the stuff behind the scenes as well I think that I've only ever just watched them as films before but in preparing for the the podcast episodes i generally watch whatever making of features there are on the blu-rays um do quite a bit of reading and stuff around it as well and my co-host is like an oracle of disney information so he just he gives (laughs) like a little history (laughs) little history lesson at the start of each pod and and um tells me a load of stuff that some that i knew and some that i didn't so that's always really fun but yeah i it's there's so many elements now that I can look at and appreciate so I a couple of years ago even like wouldn't have been able to name any of the kind of artists that were that were involved and now I've got like a couple favorites who I've got books of their kind of concept art and stuff like that that I really like looking at um, a more awareness I guess of the the composers as well so yeah, everyone knows the songs but you wouldn't sort of necessarily know who wrote the score or who wrote those songs even um and yeah just the the voice cast i think is something that i've really picked out on in this in doing this podcast series and as you get into the later films i think that, that you start to get more of these kind of big names in them but back in the day it was it was people who you know they they were stars of the time, but, they, you know, they didn't really do much kind of beyond voice work. Um, But you see the, si- the same names kind of cropping up on the IMDb <laughs> cast list for these films. And you're like, oh, wow, this person was, you know, in six or seven different Disney films playing entirely different characters. And you you appreciate not just the character, but that it is the voice of that actor, the voice of that person bringing this character to life and that's why you love that character so much and I think when you when you take a step back from it and look at it with a more critical lens it's it's just it's made me love and appreciate it even more and I think that some people were kind of like oh like do you need to go into like this level of of detail like it's just Disney and I'm like so much goes into these films like you have no idea (laughs) and it's when you actually you know you you look in more detail at at the work that goes into making these films and it's so it's so incredible and the um i think we spoke about it on maybe it was the fox and the hound episode with people who were involved with disney in that period and then went on to have like huge careers like tim burton was involved in the fox and the hound and i think he did the animation for like the female fox or something. <laughs> it's like oh. Yeah. And he then cool. had this incredible career doing animation and, you know, non-animation as well. So yeah, it, it and it's just been it's been amazing just to kind of trace that journey from the beginning. And I didn't think it was possible to love something that I already loved even more, but turns out the more you learn, the more you love it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I've noticed this is becoming a bit of a recurring theme in, in all of the guests I've spoken to is whatever the chosen topic is, the more you kind of go behind the scenes. And especially as you say, when you look at the people behind what you're doing and you sort of start to understand the dedication to the craft and the work, it, it certainly, I, th- I think it's hard to look at anything like that and not form some level of appreciation. I mean, thinking about the hand-drawn stuff as well, like I feel particularly those a lot of those earlier films, and even the ones in the nineties, you could take like any still mm. and frame it, and that's that's a really nice looking portrait that I think any of us would be proud to have. But oh, look at that! How amazing! You know, if someone drew that, and you go, "Oh, that's really good." Mm. So to do that over and over and over and over and over again for like an hour and a half long movie, yeah. It's, when you think, stop and think about that, it's hard not to be impressed by that. Surely.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I have that a lot <laughs> sometimes as I'm watching as well. I just have to pause it and I'm like, I just want to stare at this image because it's just so pretty. I had that like throughout Bambi because the the just if you get a chance, just like after this or or whenever, just watch like the opening just the opening sequence of Bambi when they're kind of like panning across the forest and it is honestly one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I've seen that film so many times, but like it's just so beautiful it's so beautiful to look at and i'm like someone's hands drew this like that's it makes it just that so much more impressive than i think any other kind of art art form or especially in in a film sense i know a lot goes into making any kind of film but i've always had this love and appreciation for animation i I have it with stop motion as well like i will watch i mean like actually talking to tim burton like nightmare before christmas and stuff like that and even like the like Wallace and Gromit like animation I love all that that stuff so (laughs) when I'm like okay someone made these like little figurines and then in order to get you know a couple of seconds worth of film they had to move this character into like different positions and poses however many times and take a photo each time and not muck it up and knock the character over and just the the attention to detail that has to go into that and it's the same with animation as well. It's just that same, that same character or that same background being drawn kind of over and over again. And you know, we we talk about like the the recycling of animation. But I mean, fair enough. If you've drawn something that you're super proud of, like keep it keep it coming. They we have a bit of a running joke on the podcast that uh, Bambi's mum, or like a female deer, appears in like so many of the Disney films. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> we make a point of mentioning it every time. And I have this <laughs> wild theory, which That's I've not great. explored in any detail, that Bambi's right. mom is like the watchman of the Disney universe, like Stanley. I love that. She's, she's, I love that. Right? I've not given it too much thought. I've not unpacked it any more than that. But I think there's something to it. You know, she's, she's always there, she's, she keeps coming back. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to look for that now. It's going to be like in really obscure places as well, like in Aladdin's cave. She's going to be like, hiding behind a big pile of treasure or something. Like, Honestly, there
1: it is. yeah, she appears in places that like Deers probably wouldn't be. But also, I mean, I don't have the answers for this. If she is this kind of all-seeing, all-seeing eye controlling the Disney universe, then she can appear wherever she wants. Doesn't matter.
0: Maybe she wasn't killed then. Maybe she just had to leave. Well, She went to her home planet and had to go, <laughs> go, go and explore and come back and that's, hop from universe yeah, to universe. That's the deleted like a, scene. She's just beamed yeah. up
1: back to her home planet. <laughs>
0: Sp- speaking of...
1: <laughs>
0: speaking of stuff, I just made me think, I wonder if she's... This is really nerdy of me. I'm just like, I wonder if she's going to pop up in Doctor Strange 2. Because we're having all these confirmations of, you know, previous Spider-Men and all these mm. other actors and yeah, why not? Why not Bambi's mum in one scene?
1: would love that. Uh, that, that would be
0: epic, <laughs> wouldn't it? I think only me, you, and
1: my <laughs> podcast ho- co-host would appreciate that. But yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> just leap up in the cinema. Like,
1: there she yes. is. <laughs> What?
0: What is it? What? Oh, don't worry, never mind. <laughs> That's incredible, I like this theory. So I was thinking about going back and watching some of these ones, like, especially now you've been talking about them, I'm like, Man, Mulan's awesome. Aladdin's great. Like, I'm gonna go back and watch all of these now, and yeah, I'm gonna keep my eye out just see if there's a uh, a deer in a Chinese castle or something, or you know, (laughs) just in one of the scenes of like,
1: oh, there she is. Yeah, Sarah's right.
0: Yeah, that's weird. There you go. There's another reason to get into Disney if you haven't already. You know, there's strange conspiracies to look out for in uh, in the background of (laughs) stuff. That is awesome. That is really cool, and. And even just from a musical point of view, like I think I struggle to write songs anyway. I mean, to write the catchiest songs ever written and to manage to get them in every single film. Again, they work with some incredibly talented people. Mm. So you have to appreciate that as well on some level, surely.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's amazing. And like that that, that run in the nineties that we sort of mentioned earlier of those films, I think from Little Mermaid onwards, I don't think there's been a Disney film that hasn't been Oscar nominated um, either for song or best animated film so a a lot of the early films were so I think pretty much all the golden age and some of the wartime films which aren't very good um, but they I think all picked up nominations just because there wasn't that much stuff around at the time but that's great Yeah, obviously now there's there's a lot more kind of like original songs in films there's a lot more animated films the market is a lot more saturated but disney are, are kind of consistently just just pulling it out when it comes to when it comes to awards and they always seem to if not win be nominated at least and yeah it's usually usually the songs that get recognized as well
0: Oh, big time. Maybe, again, that's part of what makes it an event
1: Mm. as well.
0: It's Not only is the animation continues to improve and gets better and better and you get classic characters and moments and all of this, you also get some really catchy songs. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's that's part of the winning formula. I think we're slowly unravelling it. Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think certainly a very recent example of that is, is Frozen, where the music from that was bigger than, I think, the film.
0: Oh, yeah, I I heard the songs way before I saw the film. Mm -hmm.
1: And it was, you know, I'm sure parents with small children got really sick of it, listening to Let It Go (laughs) over and over again, But it's a banger, it's a really good song. So, you know, it's... And then, obviously, the songs in that being so great, everyone was kind of, like, pumped for Frozen 2, because it was like, oh, there's going to be more great songs, and, you know, they are great, and they continue to be great, so...
0: Absolutely. And, And they bring in some absolute well, amazing vocal talent as well Mm. for those roles, which makes total sense. (laughs) Um, On that note, I want to ask then, um, so you've mentioned about obviously 2D, there's there's these two sort of sides of Disney. What would be your favourite 3D animation then?
1: That is a good question. Just scrolling down my list. Um, mm -mm. It's close between... <laughs> i'm gonna just just say i'm gonna just say frozen <laughs> as an umbrella and and okay me and i can include frozen two as well because i still can't decide which one of those i love the most
0: interesting um, okay
1: or moana i do really love moana
0: hmm, hmm. yeah i think they're both solid choices yeah and again my wife's very fond of, of all, all of those films actually mm. um yeah okay okay <laughs> and again, and good and good female leads as well which is another nice thing so yeah. just carrying the torch from um from or taking the torch rather from Mulan and sort of passing it forward in animation, which is really cool
1: yeah they in in this um kind of, I, I guess yeah the current era that Disney is in is is often referred to as like the modern golden age um which is from Princess and the Frog onwards and there's some really great I mean there's great female characters in in that in princess and the frog and then frozen moana and you know this it seems that this is a good era for disney but also mixed as well they kind of did the superhero thing with big hero six and um zootopia i really like as well there's some really yes great films in this in this period and there's a reason I think why a lot of people kind of like call this like the modern golden age so the Golden age being Snow White up to Bambi people kind of put these films now on like the same the same level as those ones and i I'm a classics girl so i don't i don't know if I necessarily agree that all of those are as good as the as the Golden Age or even like some of the films in the in the Renaissance but I think it was it's it's a return to form because i think the the start of the millennium was bit of a a bit of a rough time for disney so i think people were just happy to see films that were a, a better quality again so that's why people love disney yeah ones.
0: absolutely and and it seems to be that you are pretty much on a on a streak really i don't think they've excuse me just sort of looking um I'm st- I'm same as you know, I'm sort of like a list because I just thought well, I'm going to actually have a look at what they've done and sort of since what would we say is kind of the probably the big I think probably like finding Nemo maybe well there's a couple actually in there that, like the Incredibles it's, oh there's Chicken Little never mind we've got, we've got, to, get, <laughs> we've got to get past I love Zach Graph, but yeah yeah we'll it. Um, um, it looks like it looks like kind of maybe up of maybe since then, or the last ten years, has been a pretty solid. I mean, there's a few that are not great. I forget that they do other stuff as well. Like I've just seen Spies in Disguise. And I'm like, that wasn't <laughs> Disney, surely? And it's like, oh, it is.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> so, so
0: not all of them are winners. No, <laughs> not all of them are winners.
1: And there's, I think there's, there's so many different like branches of of Disney as well. So they're kind of straight to videos, sequels, and they're live action and the pixar obviously they they fall under their kind of own own umbrellas but the 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 58 or i think in the uk it's 57 annoyingly which it plays havoc with my uh completing blu-ray collection but yeah those (laughs) those kind of 57 to 58 animated classics is is what is kind of like under this under this portion i think the films you were mentioning there, the 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 Pixar ones like um Finding Nemo and Up, they were all kind of coming out at a time where the the Walt Disney classics or the Walt Disney animation studios film films weren't as great. That was the kind of like the from two thousand to about two thousand and eight. Um, the films that kind of came out in that period were some of them are okay. I've got a lot of love for Emperor's New Groove. Um, oh me too (laughs) it's great yeah but then you've also got like home on the range and chicken little and Bolt and some very kind of like average films but pixar were kind of crushing it at that time so i think that
0: so i get a bit confused then so what was the difference between pixar and and disney I know, wasn't it steve jobs owned pixar yeah yeah
1: pixar started off kind of as their own thing and then i believe were kind of like working then in collaboration with disney so some kind of like disney animators went to pixar or vice versa um so it's now you kind of like you would class those films as like disney pixar so pixar is like another company like your you know lucasfilm or marvel or something like that that disney now own um but i apart from their shorts i don't think there was ever a pixar feature that wasn't kind of released by disney Um, that makes sense
0: yeah because i'm just looking at some of these and yeah it's like oh disney being involved with this somehow
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know some questionable ones that they're they sort of produced or kind of like came out under the like the big disney umbrella but not considered like the the pantheon of the uh the 57 to 58
0: (laughs) that makes sense actually where can i find a list of that 58
1: Disney they, it's usually, they
0: usually call them like the it's Walt Disney animated sort of Disney classics. classics yeah ah here we go cool because this is I want to sort of look off the same oh for goodness please <laughs> go away uh, I want to look off the same sort of list as as yourself mm. so number one yeah it starts with Snow White that makes sense and then Pernod. I forget it's, that's the funny thing as well And you've been talking about this stuff another reason to appreciate it going back is when you look at how it, Old, some of these are it's incredible that they did like Pinocchio. I mean, that was 1940. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how incredible was that? I mean, it still looks am- obviously they you know, do them up a bit, but mm. yeah, Fantasia, Dumbo, all this stuff. I'm like the Bambi 1942 looks incredible. And mm-hmm. I got you say to think that they had no other choice other than to just sit in studios, <laughs> <to> yeah, <laughs> months on end, drawing the same patch of leaf. I'm sure they would go insane by the end of it, mm. but. Worth it, yeah, absolutely worth it.
1: Because that, I mean, that hand-drawn animation doesn't really age. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, you know, they've now done kind of like remastered, and you know, you can get them on like four K and Blu Ray, and they look like they did when they came out. Um, But there's there's something about it that just doesn't seem to age. And I think even if you go back to some of the the kind of CGI or like the the three D animated stuff even like toy story you watch that now when you're like yeah this looks like it was made in the early 90s um and thinking of the kind of like disney animated classics like you uh dinosaur is one of them which i think came out in 2000 that does not look i I remember yeah that that does not look that good anymore and that you know they that technology seems to age worse than than hand-drawn um i think it just it it always will. I think it, they sort of, now there doesn't seem to be huge leaps in in that technology. I mean, there's some that sort of now go for this more kind of photo realistic look. So I hate to bring it up, but like the Lion King um, <laughs> <laughs> remake, um, yeah. they look like real lions that looks like real, you know, backgrounds or whatever. And even some of the stuff in like Toy Story 4 was, you know, the backgrounds, look real and and so there have been improvements in that technology but I don't think you would look at something like Tangled or Wreck-It Ralph and think oh that looks old now. Um,
0: No that's true yeah you're right I think they certainly hit a good stride mm -hmm. with that kind of thing now and it only seems to get sharper Mm -hmm. I want to say with each image uh, each one that comes out like oh that hair looks a bit more realistic yeah. like it's not like a huge leap as you say mm. um, and yeah what you said about the animation I just as I'm scrolling through it's Alice in Wonderland there's a a still from that and it, it looks incredible like just looking at it now it's like wow that's <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. what an
0: amazing image like to think somebody drew that out and all the colours and everything they've got going on there mm.
1: so one of the a lot
0: of the classics Yeah, one, one of
1: the artists that I'm um, a really big fan of um, is a lady called Mary Blair so she started working with Disney, I think, in the early 40s. Um, there was a big writer's strike or animator's strike at the time, and she left the studio. But then in the production of a film called um, Saludos Amigos, in which the animators went to Latin America, she, I think she quite fancied uh, having a holiday. <laughs> so she came and, you know, to do the work as well. So she kind of like begged to come back and was involved in that project. Um, and that, that trip and like experiencing different cultures and the vibrancy of different cultures, <clears throat> excuse me, like really shaped her, her style going forward. So her art is incredible. I've, I have a whole like book of her like concept art and stuff. So she did a lot of the concept, uh, work on Peter Pan, Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland. So that kind of early fifties period, um, and walk was so taken with her work that they changed the style of animation in those films to be more like her concept drawings so her her, she had this really kind of like unique visual flair and use of color that none of the other animators or artists were really kind of doing at the time so yeah that, that she shaped a lot of those kind of like early that early 50s films like the the start of kind of like the silver the silver age and um a side note she also did like the concept for the uh it's a small world ride which is my favorite disney world uh ride so all the kind of like design of that the concept art for that she did as well so i have um out of shot but i have a um it's a small world print just above my screen that i look at as i'm working and it's it's lovely makes me happy. <laughs> Incredible.
0: That's amazing. Uh, are there any other artists from Disney you recommend checking out the work of?
1: Yeah, and my other favourite is a guy called ivan Earl. So how you spell his name is E Y V I N D E A R L E. Uh it's a fun name. <laughs> so thank you. He... No,
0: thank you. Thank you. That that helps me out later. <laughs> yeah,
1: he was involved on Sleeping Beauty and I think what a lot of people notice about Sleeping Beauty is that it looks unlike any other Disney film it looks like a medieval painting or tapestry come to life
0: yeah, um, and
1: yeah. his his art style is incredible there's this like gorgeous uh, book of his artwork for that film and I think it's out of print so the only version I found of it is like £200 and it's taking all of my strength not to buy it because I really Ooh. want it <laughs> I'm like I can't justify £200 on a on a book I've got a wedding to pay for so <laughs>
0: yeah as, yeah as someone who's been in that boat i can tell you <laughs> do <don't>. yeah <no. laughs>
1: it's very <laughs> reckless indeed
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't help as well doesn't it when like credit and stuff exists you're like
1: well i we could just no, yeah don't no, do no don't it. do it. it it's a dangerous it's a slippery slope
0: <laughs> it's a very slippery slope but it does sound like a very interesting thing to go and check mm. out nonetheless um yeah i again you i you sort of take for granted the fact that of course yeah these guys are artists so they're going to have work out there mm. so that's another reason dear listener is to <laughs> go, and, go and explore this a bit more and yeah let l- do what me and my wife kind of do now which is somewhat I would say not ruined but kind of it- it's invaded our movie going experience we're constantly on INDB going "What do I know this person from and what's the director and what's yeah. <laughs> um, that's my fault I've done that to her but <laughs> um, but yeah animated as well that's another pe- another um, person to go and check out and a whole body of work it sounds like is well mm. worth seeing um, and you're absolutely right I'm just scrolling now and they hit the 90s and it's like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can see the where that's stuff. like yeah like <laughs> literally Beauty and the Beast Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas yeah. Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan like bam bam, bam bam like one after the other literally year after year after year it's just like and another one and another yeah. one Yeah, the
1: one. 90s is pretty wow. flawless that's not just my bias as a as a 90s kid but it's oh no no it's
0: just fact yeah I'm just looking at it, it's like, this is fact this is like some of the best films ever made yeah
1: there's some real kind of like ebbs and flows in disney's output so i've sort of mentioned it a bit but like the different eras or ages that the films are broken up into um so the first being the golden age which is like snow white to bambi those kind of first five films is is what get placed in in that category um, then you have the films that, uh, if you ever have to do a quiz on like all the Disney animated films, are the ones that no one gets. Um, so the the wartime, uh, this was the wartime era when all Disney could do was just make films that were a collection of shorts and just loosely tie them together. Um, so they called them the package films, and that's uh, from Saludos Amigos up to Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So. There's some okay ones in there, but that was like my. They were my blind spots, like before I started re watching them all for the podcast. Um,
0: I think you can be forgiven because I'm scrolling through them now. Like, yeah, I don't know. The the only one I've heard of is the Three Caballeros. Yeah, which is. That's the only one I've heard of. Good. (laughs) But the Uh, rest is like,
1: nope. Yeah. Of those six, I would say the ones worth watching are Three Caballeros, Melody Time, and Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. The rest. I mean watch them all because you know if you're going to do the whole watching them chronologically then obviously you can't miss one um but they they're amongst my least favorite so yeah and then after after that is the the silver age which is Cinderella to Jungle Book then it's the bronze slash dark uh, ages which I think is such a harsh term but um that's Aristocats up to Oliver and Company and then the renaissance Uh, which we've spoken about a lot, is the 90s. So Little Mermaid up to Tarzan. New Millennium is Fantasia 2000 up to Bolt. And then the modern golden age is Princess and the Frog onwards. So that's kind of how they're broken. I don't think that's ever anything official that's come out from Disney. That's just kind of how people have categorised the different eras based on when the kind of like big changes came in, whether that was changes in staff, personnel, technology, you know, whatever, that's that's kind of how they've been broken down.
0: That's fair enough, yeah. I mean, these all seem pretty solid, like you say, just sort of go through <laughs> it. It's, it's interesting. I kind of like, that's another reason, I think, to get into this stuff is you can see, yeah, you can, it's nice to see a kind of a studio grow. Mm. It's like following a, um, a director or an actor, you know, you're kind of watching their career evolve. It's kind of nice to see that with an entire studio.
1: Yeah.
0: And it offers something... Very interesting, I have to say. Mm. Um Although I do kind of like yourself, I, I do hope one day that we see another hand-drawn uh, animation. I, I would like to see that. I mean, considering the last one was what eleven years ago, I'm looking at it. Well, hang on, no, We, need we poo. Need poo is, yeah. yeah, so it's nine. So yeah, I can say we will we'll probably do another one. We are
1: do another one, and it's yeah. You know, I, they're so they're so much more expensive to. Produce <laughs> <laughs> and so much more, time-consuming, and the you know the manpower and everything else involved with them is so much greater than CGI, and it's yeah, it's just it's I think it's just the way it is. It's it's worth it though. Yeah, I said st- yes, it's worth it. In my mind, it's worth it, but then I'm yeah. not drawing the same thing thirty thousand well, I mean,
0: times. What, what else are yeah, they doing? Exactly. You know?
1: <laughs>
0: Go on, pick up your pencil yeah. Stop being lazy. <laughs> I'd rather that actually than, than coming back to what you said earlier. I, I would rather a new original hand drawn than a another shot for shot of whatever one they're doing next. I mean, who, who knows? Um, they seem to be focusing on the nineties era at the minute.
1: Yeah, I think that the I think the next major one is probably Little Mermaid. Um,
0: ah, that's right. Yeah, but
1: mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want any of those films to be remade. <laughs> I've just accepted that they will, and that's fine um yeah and i'm kind of at that stage where i i can't get upset over every remake announcement because it will continue to happen but the original exists i can still watch that that's true um yeah it doesn't they don't go away just because a new version comes out it's you know Mm. the old one exists so you can still watch it that's
0: that's fair enough (laughs) And, and, and as far as you say with ariel i mean probably give a bit more of a much needed update to the the character, give her a little bit more to do than just chase after a a bloke for... (laughs) most of the movie and, and not say a lot you know yeah <laughs> like, my
1: favorite um, um bit about little mermaid is like i think it's she literally just sees uh eric for the first time and then she like goes back or like maybe they have like a brief conversation i think it's been a while since i watched it and then she goes like back down to her dad she's like but daddy i love him and it's like you literally just met him like please
0: <laughs> yeah it, yeah uh, that was something you know, my wife pointed out she was like yeah right and i'm like eh, yeah yeah she's <laughs> got a point got a point and i was like i hadn't considered that before i mean i thought the whole like oh you know she's curious i didn't realize it was like zero to a hundred that quickly yeah. sort of again a bit of a long time since i watched it and looking back i was like ooh, oh okay it's a very
1: <laughs> disney thing that they interesting they they kind of made a bit of a mockery of in in frozen because there's there's this whole joke about like you can't marry a man you just met um and how you know. <clears throat> the, the true love's kiss in that isn't you know between like a prince and a princess that's you know that she she saves her own sister so they kind of they they turned a little bit of like their their own ideas that they kind of you know had in so many of their films on its head a little bit because in particularly the princess films it's like they have one conversation like cinderella has one dance with the prince and then is like willing to marry him like did they speak you know
0: You know what? That was something actually on that note. I quite liked the live action Mm. Cinderella. I kind of forget that was because I hadn't seen it until recently. We we stuck it on, and and I was like, oh, oh, they've actually given them chemistry Mm -hmm. and they've given these characters more than one interaction. And kind of, I found that was nice. I thought, well, that's a nice touch. They've kind of updated that Mm. and made it a bit more believable. So, yeah, maybe we'll get some more stuff. But I am with you. At least if those out there listening you can still find these if you've got Disney plus which if you haven't what have you been doing uh-huh. during lockdown <laughs> <laughs> it's been my
1: savior <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean probably something productive won't get up, but um, you know that's boring i'd rather sit and watch aladdin for the 100th time yeah. you know I'd be more than happy <laughs> to do that um, on that note is there anything else you want to add add to the discussion or any sort of personal uh, things on on disney you can, you can the floor is yours to say, say what you will
1: <laughs> oh there's so much i could but i i honestly i would be here for like five hours talking about how much i love disney but um yeah we can do a five part <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> yeah i'll come back again i'll, I'll pick up, like one film next time and just talk about that but yeah yeah it. it's just uh, like i well hopefully it's, it's come across just how much how much i love disney how much it means to me but it's something that i have shared with my family as well like I said I have a lot of like great memories of those being the first films I watched at the cinema Um, me and my brother frequently still have conversations about the Disney films that we love and now getting to like enjoy them all over again like with with my niece and and that's really nice as well because you know when she's at an age that she can really appreciate them and enjoy them I'm so looking forward to seeing them through like a child's like eyes again and that's really exciting and you know, if I have kids of my own one day as well, getting to do that all again, like it's just it's Disney is and always will be for me kind of the gift that keeps on giving. It's something I loved as a child. It's something I continue to love in a different way. I think it's something I will always love. Um, So, yeah, I I. Honestly, could talk about this forever, but I won't. <laughs> I don't want to bore That's people. It's <laughs> fine. It's
0: totally fine. I thought that was that was a lovely way of, of kind of summarising everything there. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you for your time. And before you go, where can the good people find you?
1: Oh, you can find me in all places on the internet. Um, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Sarah Um On Instagram, I'm at sarah_buttery. I think um, you can see my rapidly growing Disney Blu-ray collection. Um, so I post up pictures whenever I get a new one and I'm about eight away from a full set so you can give me a follow and find out that magical day when I have all 58 Um, and I, uh, as mentioned, am on uh, several other podcasts so I'm doing the Disney uh, animated classic series on Jumpcast so you can find them at Jumpcast underscore on Twitter or just search for Jumpcast wherever you find podcasts I also host uh let's jaws for a minute which is a podcast uh going minute by minute through jaws so you probably heard mj uh come on this show recently talking about pinball side note i loved that episode so much
0: thank you that was honestly that was so much fun i did not know what to expect with that and came away like this is nice. This is like a whole other world. My tiny <laughs> mind great. was
1: blown. I sat and wasted about 45 minutes looking at bimbo machines after that. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are having a great time talking about Jaws um, on that podcast. And I think you're going to come on as well at some point, Harley. So.
0: That's right. Yes. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And I'll definitely be um, plugging that on here because I feel like that will make me an official <laughs> podcaster, being a guest on another podcast. it be like, see? See, mum and dad? Yeah, it's legit. It I'm not just on my own <laughs> shouting into the internet. There's, <laughs> there's other people. <laughs> Put up with my nonsense. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, that's brilliant. Thank you. And I would yeah highly recommend people go and check those out because I'm subscribed to both of them. And if you listen to this, I think you'll also enjoy listening to those. So thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. And there we have it, another episode down. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming onto the podcast and talking to me about all things Disney animation. If you listening really enjoyed this episode, then definitely go and check out JumpCast. As she said, they are going through all the Disney classics and it is well worth a listen. Also, if you enjoyed hearing Sarah talk on this, which, why wouldn't you? You can go and check out her other podcast, Let's Jaws for a Minute, where she and previous guests MJ talk all about a previous topic, Jaws I mean what's not to love right I feel like it's a podcast that is made specifically for this audience and as she mentions I will be making an appearance on that fairly soon and I cannot wait and will definitely be plugging it here if you'd like to know more about the artwork that Sarah discussed, I have managed to find two websites which link to both artists respectively, so go and check it out. I did after editing this and was pleasantly surprised by what I found there. Also I have linked in Sarah's social media accounts as well as JumpCut Online which is a fantastic website and well worth checking out. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like to reach out to me for any reason, then feel free to do so on Instagram and Twitter. Both handles are at FundamentalsPod. I would love, and I mean love, to hear from you. Anything you say or send my way will be acknowledged. I can guarantee you that. If you are feeling even more generous and you'd like to leave me a five-star review on the app of your choosing, then please do so and please let me know because you will get a well-deserved shout-out on the podcast well that's about it for me i hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast and i hope that you're keeping well i will be back again in a few weeks time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject so until then stay tuned and stay safe